welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. Last week, some of you don't know this, but we celebrated our second birthday. We're a young church. I can't say we're a new church anymore. We're a young church, and we baptized 18 people at the Pacific Ocean last week. And uh, I think there's a picture of a couple of them that we baptized in. It was amazing. I wasn't sure how it would go. I didn't know if we were going to get arrested. I don't know. I didn't know what to think. You know, I don't know what to think about anything anymore other than Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's, that's all I know, and that's all that really matters anyway. But, but we had an amazing time, and we're so grateful for all of you guys that came out. But this is kind of like our kickoff to our third year. How many know biblically the number three is a pretty powerful number? I mean, powerful things happen in the third year, the third day, we know. So I believe that for our church, the best is yet to come. And I believe for your life, the best is yet to come. Would you just tell somebody sitting by you, say that your best is yet to come. I think that declaring that and being a part of that is really, really good. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're going to do our second talk in our series on the book of Nehemiah. We're calling the series live a better story. Live a better story. How many of you are ready to live a better story for your life? Uh, This is something I I believe it's, the book of Nehemiah is always a great book, especially if you want to understand leadership a lot more. I mean, you don't even have to be a follower of Christ to take down some really good leadership nuggets from the book of Nehemiah. But I believe in this season that we're in, not only as a nation, but not only as a church, but really personally in our own lives and our own families, like there is a prophetic nature to the book of Nehemiah. And I love that we're getting into this book over the next several weeks. And last week at the baptism, I kind of changed my message a little bit because we were doing baptisms, but you can listen to it through our podcast and kind of catch up. But today we're going to be in chapter two and we're entitling today's talk plan like a boss. How many of you would label yourself as a pretty decent planner? You like to plan things before you do things. How many, how many are planners besides Jade? (laughs) Jade, you are definitely a planner. Uh, How many would probably lean towards you? You're more the spontaneous person. You, you, you just like to kind of go with the flow and you don't like to have a plan. Uh, well, we're going to learn in the book of Nehemiah, the chapter two, that after prayer, comes the plans. So we're going to be looking at that. I'm going to pray. We're going to get into this. It's going to be good. Father, I thank you so much for giving us this venue for us to be able to meet in person. Lord, there are things that you desire to do in us in person that just doesn't translate online. So we're grateful to have this place. We're grateful to have this opportunity. God, now download us some heavy revies from heaven so that we can leave this place knowing that we had a divine appointment with you today. And we thank you in advance for how you're going to do that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, 
Amen. Now, I'm going to begin at verse 1. It says, And it came about in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, who was the Persian king, that wine was before him. Remember that Nehemiah is the cupbearer. So he is in the king's presence. And he says, I took up the wine and I gave it to the king and now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, why is your face sad though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid and I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire. Last chapter, we knew that Nehemiah was given a passion from heaven to see the walls of his homeland rebuilt and the stability restored uh, in his homeland. And his brother had given him a report that the walls had been desolated and the fire, uh, the, the walls or that the gates had been burned up by fire. Then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, like, oh, Lord, this is my moment. Help me. I said to the king, if it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him a definite time, and I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the provinces before or beyond the river that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, for the house to which I will go. And the king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. I love that part. If you have your Bible, circle that guy. That is amazing, that sentence right there. Then I came to the governors of the provinces beyond the river, and I gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. So he received his own security as he traveled down to his homeland. What we learn in chapter 2 is that there's been four months between chapter 1 and chapter 2. And in the four months, it's not just been Nehemiah praying and getting a hold of God. It's been God speaking to Nehemiah a plan of how the walls are going to be rebuilt. And what we see revealed in these verses is that when the moment came when Nehemiah could share with the king this burden, this passion that had been put in his heart by God, he had a plan. And he was able to tell the king all of the details of the plan, including the name of the dude that was working the lumber yard, saying, hey, you know, if you can give me a letter for Asaph that, that I've got this purchase order, so he'll sign off on it, and I can get the lumber we need. I mean, talk about details in the planning. This was Nehemiah. What I love about this story is it is such a great blend of the spiritual meets the practical. Because I, I love the spiritual, obviously. You know, I'm a pastor, and you know, I'm part of a church, and we're, we're all about the spiritual. But there, there comes a point when we're praying and getting a hold of God that God actually, actually downloads to us the directive of how he wants us to advance or move forward. So that's the practical. And so he's praying, Nehemiah's praying, 
and he's got his notepad out. He's got his, his pen or pencil ready to go, and he's praying, and God is giving him the plan. So you have to know that part of your prayer life is you're uploading these things to God, pouring your heart out to God, and whenever there's an upload, you got to make room for the download. Hello, somebody. You, you got to give God time to be able to speak back into your life the way he wants to answer the prayer that you're praying. And a lot of times, our prayer is one way. We're praying, and we have enough time to pray and do our laundry list before God, and then we go out the door, or we get on with our day, and God's like, but, but here, you're giving me your need without allowing me to give you the plan for how I'm going to take care of the need. And Nehemiah is that perfect example of the spiritual. Yes, there's a time for praying. Get a hold of God. Let God speak to you. But then there's the practical, and that's the application. This is how I'm going to meet you in this need that you have, the spiritual and the practical working hand in hand together. Now, I, I've got to go back, and I've got to circle this, because some of you, you lean towards being a planner, and so you're like, man, I've been waiting for this sermon to be preached all of my life. You're like, yes, like it's a godly thing to be a planner. And it is really true, and this is not a biblical verse, but you've heard it said, I'm sure, before, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? Four of you knew that, all right? Uh, but that's kind of the, the idea, the concept that most of us know. But for those of us that we just are, are like more go with the flow and, and, and kind of just roll with the punches, what's going to happen inevitably is that we're going to be trying to get a hold of God for God to give us guidance in whatever it is that we're supposed to do. And, and if we don't take the time to plan then we're not going to know how God is going to lead us forward through the situation that we're currently going through. I love this proverb. Write this down. Proverb 21, verse 5. Plan carefully, and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. You will never have enough. I like how Augustine said it years ago, centuries ago. Pray as though everything depended on God. Work, or as I like to say, plan as though everything depended on you. There's that balance between the spiritual and the practical. But I believe what God's message is to us today is that we need to have a plan in order for us to walk into the promise of what he has for us. That there are walls that he is wanting to build in our life. There are gates that he is wanting to restore in our life. And in order for those walls to be rebuilt and those gates to be restored, we have to have a plan. And I'm entitling today's talk, Plan Like a Boss. Turn to somebody right next to you and say, I'm going to plan like a boss. How many heard girl boss before? That's like where I got that from, all right? So... We're going to move into uh, what's called the AAA plan. And so we're going we're gonna to write notes. And Pastor Darren uh, Laws, who is a, a partner ministry with us, he has a church up north, and he's pastor here in Thousand Oaks before, and his son Samuel. We did a prayer retreat in August. And that was a God story in itself, how I was praying, going, God, what are we, we going to do in the fall? Like, how, how do you want to speak to us in this third season that we're, third year season that we're moving into as a church. And God directed me to this prayer retreat with Darren and Samuel. And so we were up there praying and getting a hold of God. And God spoke so clearly to all of us and said, do a series in the book of Nehemiah. And I'm going to show you things 
and how to get through this COVID season that you would, you would otherwise never see. So he directed all of us to the book of Nehemiah. And when it came to chapter two, Darren said this. He goes, years ago, I was going through a really difficult season and God gave me the triple A plan. And, and here's how it goes. Assess, adjust, and advance. Assess, adjust, and advance. And, and as I was wanting him to unpack that a little bit, what was so cool is that as you go through the rest of the book of Nehemiah, you see a little bit of each one of these action steps in planning as Nehemiah moved this idea forward with rebuilding the walls and restoring the gates. So if you're taking notes, let's write these down. And the first one is assess and write down, make time for the details. Assess, make time for the details. If you want to live a better story, you need to plan. And in order to plan, the first step is to assess. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, it says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days, and I arose in the night. Does that sound familiar? Who else do we know that was somewhere for three days and arose at night? Hello, that's a little God wink right there. I and a few men with me, and I did not tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem. So I went out at night by the valley gate in the direction of the dragon's well and onto the refuse gate, inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates, which were consumed by fire. Then I passed onto the fountain gate into the king's pool, but there was no place for my mount to pass. So I went up at night by the ravine and inspected the wall, and then I entered the valley gate again and returned. I don't know if you're like me, but when I first read this in study time, I, I just couldn't get past thinking of Elf telling the story of walking through the Lincoln Tunnel. And then I passed by the, you know, you guys know the movie Elf. So I just like, that was funny to me. But what's serious about this is that Nehemiah had been told by his brother the condition of the walls. He'd already been told how bad things were. But when something is as serious as this was, Nehemiah needed to see it for himself. And let me tell you something. Don't leave it up to somebody else's opinion when it comes to a big decision that involves your life. Look at it for yourself. Inspect it yourself. Because what I have found in my experience leading people is that people, just like they lean either structured or unstructured, they lean towards what I call over-worrying or just really you know, denying that there's a problem whatsoever. I call them over-worriers versus no-problemers. I'm just making that up. You know? but, but that's kind of a, like people fall into these categories. The over-worriers, they're the ones that love to start sentences like, what if? What if this is terrible? You know, what if the earthquake two nights ago was going to give us the big one? You know, it would make sense. 2020 is giving us all this other stuff. Like, they're the ones that are obsessed with asking the what if questions. They're the over-worriers. Here's what I've determined in my experience with over-worriers. They're always overestimating the problem. They're overestimating the size of the problem. They're the ones that make mountains out of molehills. And so for, their over, for the over-worriers, when they assess the, the details of the situation, what they do and what they discover most of the time is it's not as bad as they thought. Would you put yourself in the camp of being an over-worrier? How many are married to an over-worrier? There, there's, uh, there's no such thing as a small problem. And what I love about God 
is that he typically loves us to marry somebody that's the opposite of us. See, because I, I land in the camp of the no problemers. And so it just makes sense that I would marry Tara and over worrier. And so together we balance the force. All right. And that's how it works a lot of times. And and I, I'm guilty of the, the no problem. Or I, I, can, I can walk into a situation, and it could be just pandemonium. It could be just crazy chaos. And I'll walk in and say, man, isn't this great? And when looking at me going, are you serious, dude? What planet are you living on? Read the room. I'm the guy that doesn't read the room really, really well. So assessing the details is important for me as a no-problemer because I will not be motivated to fix something I don't see a problem in. Hello? Who needs to hear that? Sometimes, in order for us to find our momentum or our motivation, we have to see something as broken. And we won't see things as being broken until we take the time and look at the details and see for, a, for ourselves. When Warren Buffett, the investor, was asked about potential financial crisis, he said this, when times are good, everyone can look good. In other words, you can appear stronger and healthier than you really are. But during a financial recession, when the tide of the ocean is going out, you can see who is skinny dipping the whole time. <laughs> That's kind of funny. But problems have a way of revealing how bad things really have been. And when you assess it, you can really see it. And this pandemic has been a revealer to a lot of you that your marriage wasn't as healthy as you thought it was. Your family wasn't as good as you thought they were. Maybe even your spiritual maturity wasn't as mature as you thought they were or thought it was. And, and so you get into the space where you're figuring this out going, okay, there's Houston, we have a problem. And this is good because here's what I've learned. Denial is the enemy of development. Write that down. Denial is the enemy of development. You accepting the challenge will give you the ability to do something with the thing that is challenging you. So assess is a super important step in the process of planning like a boss. And to assess it, what I would recommend, if you want to write these down, identify what the challenge is. Write it down. Here's the challenge. Gather the facts. Uh, make yourself a little pros and cons list. Consider the needs. Consider even the timing of taking care of those needs. But you're writing it down and allowing God to even uh, give you the inspiration of what to write down. But the bottom line is, Writing something down will allow you to assess it a lot more clearly. Number two, write this down. Adjust, or as I like to say, make power pivots. Verse 17, then I said to them, you see the bad situation we're in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. The NIV reads it, we will no longer be a disgrace. Because, you know, Jerusalem was that city that was supposed to be shining on top of the hill. That the rest of the world was supposed to look at Jerusalem and the good work that God was doing within Jerusalem and saying, see, there must be a God. Look at how Jerusalem is being blessed. But instead of being blessed, they had become a disgrace. So Nehemiah is understanding that the condition we're in is not the condition that God wants for our life. 
Let me just speak to some of you in the story that you're living right now. Because some of you know that the walls in your life have been ripped down during COVID. Maybe the gates have been burned by fire during this pandemic. Or maybe they were beforehand, and this just revealed the damage that is in your life that needs some attention, that needs some adjusting, that the condition you're in is not the condition that God wants you living in. Here, let me tell you a revelation. God loves you the way you are, but he refuses to leave you in that state. He loves you the way you are, but he refuses to leave you in that state. There is a better story he has for your life, and he wants you to live that better story, but in order to get there, there needs to be some adjustments. You need to see that he's got a way where there seems to be no way. We call them power pivots. Every business, every manufacturer, every entrepreneur, every CEO of every nonprofit or for-profit business has learned during COVID that what worked before isn't necessarily gonna work now. Everybody has had to pivot. Even the church has had to pivot. I feel like I've made so many pivots I should be in the NBA next year. I feel like I should be on the team with Steph Curry or something. But as, as I look at this, I, I was thinking about a, a guy I met, a family that came to Atmosphere after COVID hit and after the shutdown took place and we went online. Dave Eisenstein and his family have been watching Atmosphere every week online. And I got to have coffee with him in person a few months ago. And just to kind of get to know his story and hear his you know, experiences in life. And, and Dave says, he goes, Jim, he goes, when COVID hit, he says, I, I own a business with a partner and my son. We all did this business together. We made industrial security products. But as COVID hit, we understood like, man, we're probably, if, if we don't pivot right now, we're probably going to lose our business. So they pivoted very quickly. They adjusted very quickly. And they went from producing industrial security products to making hand sanitizer. And he called his company sterile. <laughs> I love it. I mean, he pivoted. He went from making security products to making hand sanitizer because he read the room and he understood that, hey, I go to the grocery store, I'm looking for toilet paper, hand sanitizer, and I don't see neither one of those. And so he said, we'll go into business. He told me, he said, we are doing better in our business now than we've ever done before with our security products. This is a man, this is a business, him and his son and his partner, that have made the pivot and now are reaping the blessing. You know what the word here that we need to write down, we need to maybe put it somewhere, maybe write it even in our Bibles. Write the word flexible. Flexible. Because here's what's happening. The people that aren't real flexible are the people that aren't doing really well in the season. The people that just like, hey, I don't like change. I like the way we've always done it. This is the way we're gonna keep doing it. They're the ones that aren't doing really well. Adaptability, flexibility is key. And there's an adjustment that you are needing to make and God is wanting you to make in order to move forward and to rebuild the walls and to restore the gates in your own life and in your own family. And, and honestly, the biggest thing that we need to adjust right now, honestly, is our attitudes. <laughs> How many need an attitude adjustment, right? No elbowing allowed, right? This is, you know, this is a pandemic. Don't touch each other, right? But we know that some of us have had terrible attitudes. Anyone ever have a principal in your elementary school that had a paddle in their office? 
<laughs> Remember? Uh, I guess now it wouldn't be politically correct. <laughs> But they used to have those paddles. And I remember I seen a paddle one time and it said attitude adjuster. <laughs> I think 2020 is our paddle, our attitude adjuster paddle, because we're being faced with really some difficult things to climb through, but we've got to do it with the right attitude. I was thinking this week, remember two years ago, the Thailand soccer team that went cave exploring and got caught in that flood, and they got trapped in that cave. How many of you remember that story from a couple years ago? 12, 12 year old boys go into this cave, they get trapped with their coach, and they couldn't figure out how to get these kids out because most of them could not swim at all. And so, you know, days passed by, and, and they were trying to get food to them and, and trying to get these guys uh, to make it out. And in this one TV interview, they had a psychologist talking about. What would happen with these boys if they survived, if they got through it, and they all did? They said, what, what is going to be like the after effect of, of these boys? Like, how are they going to be like regular adults after experiencing such a horrific event like this? And, and I'll never forget this quote. It says, the emotional health, this is a psychologist, the emotional health of these young people who are trapped will be d- determined by the story they choose after it's all over. They can either see themselves as helpless victims who were terrorized by this event, or they can think and say, we can overcome anything. Can I tell you something this morning? The story you choose determines the life that you're going to live. And as a follower of Jesus, you have the benefit of knowing that the Savior of the world The overcomer of death itself, of all things, now lives in you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in you. Jesus said in Matthew, he says, hey, in this world, you're going to have difficult times. But he goes on to say, but take courage, I've overcome the world. So if I'm in you and I'm an overcomer, by default, you're an overcomer. So no matter what comes against your life, you're not going to be overcome. You're going to be an overcomer. Turn to somebody right now and say, you're an overcomer. Just tell them, declare it to them, and remind them that they're an overcomer. This is what is happening. There's an adjustment going on with the attitudes that Nehemiah is looking at saying, look, don't you understand? Like God is with us and he is giving us the the resources that we need and, and the resourcefulness, obviously, that we need to get this project completed. There's so many people that get stuck in a place where they're unable to move forward with their life because they, they can't see past the limited resources that they have access to. And adjusting is all about seeing beyond the resources that you have access to and seeing that God is in your life to help you be resourceful. I love how Pastor Darren, in this retreat, we were talking about Nehemiah chapter two, and he said this, resources are never the problem, Jim. A lack of resourcefulness is always the problem. I was like, whoa. I go, That's, that needs to be a tweet right there. Resources are never the problem. A lack of resourcefulness is always the problem. How many times have you stopped short of doing something because you looked at what you had and said, I can't do that because I don't have what I need? And God say, no, you get a hold of me and I will make a way where there seems to be no way. I will work in ways that you cannot see. So we've got to look at the resourcefulness. And here's the cool 
part of this is the Spirit of God is now moving inside of us to give us the guidance that we need in the space that we have. Years ago, my brother took me fly fishing. Never been fly fishing before. I'd always been lake fishing and, and ocean fishing. Never fly fishing. I was really excited. And because he lives in Colorado and there's all kinds of streams in Colorado, he hired a guide. And this guide took us deep into the forest. We went way back to the stream. That I mean, we had to walk miles back there. Just fresh water, Colorado, you know, uh, Rocky Mountains. It was just like, it was so amazing. And the guy told us exactly where to fish. So we started fishing, and sure enough, as soon as we started fishing this spot, we just started catching fish. Now, if you've ever been fishing, you, you probably have had an experience like I have. I've had too many experiences where I go out with big dreams of catching a big fish, and then I've actually left the lake, I've left the area with not catching one fish at all. But this time, I mean, I'm just I'm bringing them in as quick as I'm throwing my pole in the water and the fish are coming out. And the difference maker was this time I had a guide to show me where to go and where to fish. And having a guide in your life makes all the difference in how you move forward with your life. And we have the best guide of all. We have the creator of the universe working inside of us, giving us those downloads, telling us where to go, and how to act, and what to do. If we just listen, if we lean in, he's got the download that he wants to give us. And through that, you're gonna make the adjustment, and you're gonna be catching all kinds of fish with your life. This is what I love about leading a spirit-led church, because we believe the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that guided the disciples, is here to guide us, and to lead us, and do miracles through us. Are you with me on that, church? The Holy Spirit is real and moving in our day, in our age, and we have to take advantage of that. Number three is the advanced part. This third step. So you've assessed it, you've adjusted, and now you're advancing. This is is where we make a move. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, it's time to make a move. It's time to make a move. Now, if you're single and they're single, I just created awkwardness with you. I'll leave that for a different sermon, all right? Uh, But verse 18, it says, I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which we had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. Anytime it's a God work, it's a good work. And they knew that God was in this and Nehemiah showed it to them. It's one thing to have a great plan. It's another thing to know that the plan is from God. You know, when God gave us, Tara and I, the the commission to start this new church here, I I was in disbelief for the longest time, and I didn't think this was supposed to happen, but he made it known that this was supposed to happen. And once I knew it was supposed to happen, there was no holding me back from doing it. And this is where Nehemiah is at. He goes, man, I know that God is in this. Look, look at all of these God stories. Look at how God's provided for us. I mean, I could tell you about 12 stories right now that would keep you here an extra hour just telling you of the miracle stories of how Atmosphere Church came to be three years ago in this area. I mean, God story after God story. But when God is wanting to move your life he will make sure you know it's him. There, there, there will be no question. Some of you, you're, you're in maybe a place of wondering, is this really God? Is this really not a God? Pray and say, God, I need you to show me. Give me some confirmations. More than one, 
that you're in this. And God will go out of his way to let you know, like, I am totally in this. And then once you know God is in this, man, it's time to move forward. It's time to advance. It's time to arise and to build. This is what God is calling for all of us in the stories that we're living out. But here's what I know about God, and here's what I know about the Bible. Whenever there was a good work being done, it was never a personal work. It was a community work. The word we and our is used a lot through the book of Nehemiah. And I believe the word we and our should be used a lot in your life. That God will use a team. God will use a crew. God will use uh, uh, some battle buddies in your life to get you to a point to advance you into the good work that he's called for your life, maybe for your family. I love this African proverb I learned years ago. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So simple, yet so profound. Some of you that have been to Disneyland with 10 people, you know this is true. You know if it's just you, hey, that single rider line, man, you could get on rides and get off rides. But hey, who wants to go to Disneyland by themselves? You want to go with the team. Even if it slows you down, you're going to be able to experience so much more. But when you're on a journey, when you're traveling somewhere, there are going to be inevitable moments where you feel like you don't want to go anymore. That you, you get a mile marker number 20 and you're like, I don't have another six miles left for me to finish this marathon. But you get some battle buddies with you. You get a team behind you. You get a crew to lift you up. You are going to move to the finish line a lot easier than if you were to be by yourself. Because when you're by yourself, it's so easy to talk yourself out of whatever it is that you want to do. Here's where I want to take you as we think about advancing. Some of you are in a very dark headspace. You've been left alone too long. You're isolated. You're not in a good place. You feel the enemy just creeping in, telling you you're not enough. No one cares about you. Why even live any longer? Do you know at our young adults meeting on Tuesday night, we have a life group at our house for young adults. We had 32 young adults show up. And Tara and I are so grateful for this house that, that we've been given and that we're able to host an event like this outside. Great, beautiful backyard. Everyone's able to, to follow the guidelines. But there was a girl that came and she had a conversation with me and she said, Pastor, I, I don't think I've been out of my house but maybe a couple times since COVID hit and I didn't realize how bad of shape I'm in. And being here tonight and hearing you declare the word of God and then being around other people that had built me up and, and prayed for me, she goes, wow, it, my, my whole life has been changed tonight by allowing other people to come in, to be that team, to be that crew, to be those battle buddies. Let, let me tell you, God is calling you to advance, but the best way you're going to advance is doing it as a team with other people that are gonna help you and move the same direction as you. So find your team. Find people that are moving in the same direction. Honestly, that's why we do Atmosphere 101. Because some of you are, are new to our church. You're just like, I love this church. I, lo I love just the balance of just, it's about the word, but man, we're being led by the spirit of God. Such a great balance. And some of you, you know God is calling you to be a part of our family, but you just want to belong. You want to get involved. Atmosphere 101 is where we do it. We show you a way that you can, it's like an on-ramp, so you can be a part of a team. You could get on a crew. 
And so we want to invite you next week to stay over a little after and, and, and find out a little bit more about us. We can find out a little bit more about you. and We can find out what God is wanting to do with us together. Does that sound pretty good to you guys? So where are you at with your plan? Where are you at in rebuilding those walls, restoring those gates, living that better story that God has called for your life, for your family, for your marriage, for your business? Be thinking about it. Let's pray together. Father, as we are letting your Holy Spirit even download to us what, what you would have to say to us through this message, Lord, is it that we just need to assess it, God, that, that you're calming our fears. You're whispering to us, uh, whispering to us, we're gonna be okay. It's the danger is not as bad as we thought it was. Or maybe, God, you're saying this is a problem. And more importantly, this is how you address the problem. Father, you're speaking to us about adjusting our life, letting you guide us showing us the way that we need to go, the pivots that need to be made. Lord, is it time to move forward? Is it time to advance? God, help us to have those battle buddies, those team players with us to carry us to the promises that you have for our life to live that better story. And while everyone is praying, are sitting right now thinking that you are far from God. Maybe even this message just kind of goes right over your head because you're like, yeah, that applies to everybody except me. My friend, that applies directly to you, that he loves you. He died for you. You have unsurpassable worth, and he desires to lead your life, for you to live a better story, for you, for your marriage, for your family. And the first step in living the better story is letting Jesus, the ultimate Nehemiah, who came and was resting for three days in the tomb and arose in the night on the third day so that we might have life. So our walls may be rebuilt, our gates may be restored, and we could flourish the way God has always desired us to flourish with him in a relationship with him where he's living and moving and active in every part of our life, every day of our life, not just Sundays. And if that's what you desire to have with your life, if you feel God is here calling you to follow him today, I want to give you an invitation to follow him. And I want to pray for you as you make that decision to follow him. So while everyone is praying, if you're here today and you're saying, Jim, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I know God is calling me today to become a follower of Jesus. And if that's you and you want to make that decision to be a follower of Jesus, to step into this relationship with God so he enables you and empowers you to live that better story, just raise your hand right where you're sitting and say, Pastor, that's me. And I don't have the ability to tell you and communicate how broken my walls are and how burned up my gates are, but man, I know I need Jesus. Any, anyone at all, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know that's the decision I need to make in my life. Anyone at all. Fathers, we worship in this space. God, I pray that you would 
let these walls, let, let the gates of the stability and the security of, of who you've called us to be become our story so we can live that better story you want us to live in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's worship. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.